Yeah, it's coming out. No, I had tomato soup for dinner. Nice. What are you, an orphan? Yes. I'm actually very excited for my beer tonight. Please, sir. Please, sir. Can I have some soup? I would like a bowl of soup. I am an orphan. Please, sir, my parents are dead or misplaced, and I am an orphan. I am what you might call an orphan, and I reside here in this orphanage. Give me the soup. Orphans drink soup and eat poverty. Uh... (laughs) That tomato soup, man. Oh, no, that's the nerves. That's the nerves. Oh, and the and the ghost, soup. the ghost that was in the soup, a soup ghost. It was a ghost of a tomato. Ah, uh, that is what tomato soup is. Henry from Zero Credits. And I'm John from Zero Credits. We've had a lot of fun here tonight, but 2020 has to be one of the worst years in record. And because of that, normally around this time, our podcast would become haunted by some type of unstoppable cosmic force beyond our control. But this year, we're putting our foot down and saying no. No. That's right, no. Not this year, not no way, not no how. Whatever happens to us this year will not be happening. Please be prepared for absolutely normal content from zero credits in this month of October 2020. Normal. The more you know. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. Uh, My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. Uh, I hope no one minds that I started this episode a little different. Normally, I do a joke. This time I did a public service announcement. Listen, in these times... These unprecedented times with these fluid situations, anything's likely to change, but you know what won't change? This podcast. We have made a commitment, as Henry said, to keep this show as normal as possible going forward. I know there might have been a little apprehension, maybe excitement from certain perverts that these episodes would be strange or frightening, but that will not and cannot be the case. Absolutely. There's no way within our power that 
in this the most horrible year that either you or I have probably ever lived through. God, I hate this year so much. We will not allow it th- this year to get any weirder. And those perverts who might get excited for this type of year, this time of year, uh, all I can say to you is keep it in your pants. That's right. Stuff it, perverts. And if there's anything more normal than cracking open a brew with your best bud, I haven't heard of it. That's right. We're all cracking cold ones open with the boys. Uh, Not any type of hyper-violent like Amazon show. Just our chums, our good pals, our bedfellows. We're cracking cold ones open all over the place. And uh, this week... I'm cracking open a Cano Bliss IPA from Oscar Blues. Delicious. Well, that kind of sounds kind of fancy. Not not really normal, uh, unless you've tasted it and can tell me otherwise. Uh, it tastes normally delicious. That, in fact, oh. makes it sound like this is an exception, but it tastes delicious normally and deliciously normal. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty normal. Now, I myself, I don't stray from the classics. I'm drinking a classic Budweiser, the most normal beer I can think of. And if anyone tries to sell me on some IPA craft beer bullshit, well, they've got another thing coming. Because that, my friends, is not normal. That's right. Just two, two friends... In this normal time, drinking two Budweiser's, two normal beers. Two normal beers for two normal bros here in the normalcy of the man cave. That's right. Like all men, we're in our own personal man caves. That's right. Uh, Now, some people, some perverts, I'll say it might find it funny to come into my house, to my man cave, and change the sign that says welcome to the man cave to read welcome to the man's grave. And that is wrong because it is a man cave, a normal place where normal people hang out. Wow, I for one would call... Uh, the local authorities, because as a normal person, I trust the local authorities to apprehend such, and I'll say it too, perverts who break into people's houses and change their, their decor to reflect that of the mind of a psychopath. I don't understand it. The lens that these, I'll say it, perverts see the lens, see the world through makes no sense To me, and I trust the police to protect my property. And yes, the police, they protect property. That's what that that's what that means. It's it's normal for the police to protect and serve property. I mean, I'd say that's their primary their primary reason for existing. Which right. is normal. Doesn't really doesn't require any additional thought about whether or not that's a problem. No, and 
You know, there are some, and look, I'm just going to come out and say it. Some perverts out there who are trying to say that the police uh, should not protect property, they should protect people. And they're having that argument. We aren't going to touch that because here on this normal podcast, why would we get into the dregs of a perverted conversation about which property the police should protect? I think it's, yeah, it's, it's farmland and houses and cities and buildings and fence posts and other people are like boats, but we have a whole coast guard for boats. Yeah. The boat police, the boat property protectors. Now there are some people who are saying words like sheriff are actually derived from uh, Shire Reeve, which are people who are just protect who are created to protect the things that rich people own, but no, that is not the case. The police are normal. Right. The police are normal. Hey, John, do you want to do like a small, um, a thought experiment with me? Oh, I'm always down for a thought experiment as long as it's normal. Well, see, it might be a little, I just, I can't understand the thoughts of these people so much that I just really want to get into uh, their heads. So what if we did a little like thought experiment? We both took on the personas of people who are outraged about what, where the priorities of the police lie. And we had like, just for a small segmented of time, uh, we kind of take on these personas of people who are outraged and have a conversation about, why exactly they're outraged, just so us normal folk can understand what kind of thoughts these, and I'll say it, perverts are having. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for some, for some pervert roleplay. Thought experiment begin. So it's kind of messed up, I think, that, you know, uh, one of the officers involved in the Brianna Taylor incident got fined or reprimanded for damage to property but not the actual shooting of a human person uh yes the entire way that that was handled uh is pretty disgusting considering people waited almost a year for some kind of justice and the only justice they got was justice for some drywall right and and not even their drywall like not even the boyfriend's drywall, but the drywall of the apartment next door. Yeah. And, and it, this is just like the, a we- really weird thing that happened because like a week earlier, uh, Brianna Taylor's family got a settlement from the city for a wrongful death uh, suit. And they got like $12 million. And so the thing that I don't get is how can you look at that? Because that should set a precedent, right? There's been a wrongful death. That is now like a legal fact. How can you look at that and then just reprimand an officer for property damage without acknowledging the wrongful death death that the city acknowledged? Yeah. How do you, how do you openly say wrongful death and then no one actually ends up being charged with anything? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You can't acknowledge a death and then have there be no no actors punished. Like, 
as far as like, you know, legal precedence, you're basically saying, yeah, this was a death that should not have happened. But no one did the death. It, it's unbelievable to me because like a day before the uh, the determination went public, they declared a state of emergency in Louisville. Uh, and my immediate thought was, oh, no one's actually being charged with anything. Like no one is actually going to face justice for this. And they know that it's going to infuriate people. Uh, and then a bunch of like armed, uh, basically uh, white supremacist militiamen took to the tr- streets and were totally ignored by police. So, you know, it was a sweet time all around. Great. What what a great, great thing to do. Let's declare a state of emergency uh, because we're going to release the news that nobody was involved in the wrongful death of this person who was sleeping in their bed at the time of the incident. And let's not even get into the, the weird legal gray area of no-knock raids, where technically, yes, the boyfriend did shoot first. But what would you do if someone broke into your house shouting? I mean, there's... Uh, memes have covered this uh, pretty extensively on the internet, but there's this dichotomy. There's this duality on the right where they fantasize the idea of someone breaking into their homes unannounced so they can enact uh, violent justice and death upon them, quote unquote justice. Uh, But then they're also saying, well, he shot at those people, so they deserve to die. No, yeah. The the same people who point at like stand your ground cases where, you, you know, somebody an intruder gets gunned down by a homeowner are the same people saying like, Oh, well, if he shot first, then what was he expecting? Like you can't have your guns and shoot them too. I mean, historically stand your ground and castle doctrine have basically just been cudgels used by the courts to justify the killing of minority populations by white people, but have not been used similarly to defend people of color who have defended themselves in similar circumstances. Like they're just, they're just racist laws. Like look at George Zimmerman, look at how they use stand your ground to justify his killing of Trayvon Martin. Right. I I do remember that where they were using stand your ground law and it wasn't it not even his house. Wasn't he just like on the street? It was on the street. Yeah. That's not a private property at all. That's that. That's what you call like being gunned down in the street. Well, the, there's, there's a, and this gets lost in a lot of discussion, but there's actually a pretty distinct difference between stand your ground law and castle doctrine. Castle doctrine says if people break into your home or, well, castle doctrine is actually much broader. It's like if someone's in your home unannounced and they do not heed, well, it's actually more broad than that. If they're on your property and they do not heed your most of the time verbal commands to leave though sometimes you don't even have to tell them to leave before you shoot them but if they're on your property and they don't leave if you tell them you can kill them uh, that's castle doctrine stand your ground is essentially saying that you can use any means of self-defense in a situation where you feel like your life is threatened up to and including murdering people (laughs) Wow, that that must be a fun defense to try to prove. 
as a person who, uh, you know, fears for his life, anytime he steps out of the house, I, I feel like uh, maybe, you know, the court of law, the the justice, everyone's sense of justice might be a little, little miffed if I go around murdering people all the time. I mean, there's a, there is thinking among certain people who fantasize about having to defend themselves of which there are a lot of those people. They're the people who post their like EDC packages on the internet. Like, Oh, this is the gun I carry every day in my dumb little tactical knife. Um, there is a, there is a school of thought amongst those people that if you do live in a state with a stand your ground law, if you do ever get in an altercation with someone, it is legally better to just kill them because you would not have someone who could testify against you that they were not attacking you. Right. The the old uh, leave no witnesses kind of uh, thing that you see in movies. Which is like horrifying. Horrifying on its face. The, the most... The most morally bankrupt stance anyone can have is, oh, well, if I want to exercise my right to self-defense, I better kill the person so I don't go to jail. Right, because, uh, you know, giving someone a chance to say their side of the story might change the, the minds of your uh, the, the counsel of your peers. You know, maybe Kentucky... And anyone who, like, fantasizes about self-defense. Maybe this is a lesson we could learn as an entire society. So for Kentucky, they declared a state of emergency because they knew their actions would be on the wrong side of history, upset tens to hundreds of thousands of people, turn them out into the streets, um, and be seen largely by society is morally reprehensible. And then you have your like George Zimmerman's and your, your like self-defense weirdos who are like, might as well kill someone. So I don't get brought before a court of my peers and they can judge my actions accurately. Uh, maybe just act in such a way as if the entire world is watching, no matter what you do and don't make bad, evil decisions. That would be, pretty great if that could happen uh the only unfortunate part is to them maybe they're they're acting in accord to their their morals and they're not being evil like especially if they're horrible racist people who view others who are not like themselves as like some type of abhorrent thing i I can't get in the I can't get in the mindset of people who view other races as non-human or, or non-equals. So I, I don't know what they think. Y- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm literally taking a stab in the dark. I don't, I don't know how they justify doing what they do. Now, I think this is kind of out of character for what I typically do on the podcast, but I'm taking it to pop culture. Uh, season four of The Good Place just showed up on Netflix. The Good Place is a good show, and uh, the fourth season tackles some pretty big questions about how do we treat and empathize with people who have, like, no internal locus of control and assume that everything else is everyone else's fault and they have 
these like crazy victimhood complexes and they act out. Now I haven't finished the season, uh, but I hope they figure that out by the end of it. Cause I'd be interested to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess that could be, you could give us an update as, as you go on through that uh, season. Is that the last season? It is. It's the one with Brent. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember Brent. So do, do they solve white supremacy with Brent? Is that, do I have that to look forward to? They do a lot of work with Brent. They do a lot of work to Brent. <laughs> I see. Um, the show kind of leaves that unanswered, but I won't spoil it for you. Damn, I was really hoping this NBC sitcom, sitcom by Michael Schur would, would solve the problem of empathy and white supremacy. It sure solved the problem of philosophy. That that's in the cultural consciousness again. Yeah, and dusted off, put back to bed. Every important philosophical conversation we had to have happened on the good place, and then philosophy rightfully died once again. It's over, you know. It had its time in the sun. The good place brought it back from whatever dusty tome it crawled into. Uh, and, you know, it got its five minutes of fame, but now, kind of like Marvel, pack it up. Time to go. We'll see you, uh, you know, in ten years for the remake. Philosophy, just like Marvel, pack it up, you're done. Time for Valiant Comics to take over. Valiant Comics and its partner in crime. Um, something, and something akin to philosophy. Um... It's partner in crime, um, moral relativism. There you go. Which is a philosophical concept, but whatever. Eh, forget about it. I already have. I don't know anything anymore. For I'm not actually this person. This was but a mere thought experiment. Ah, the characters cast to ash before our very eyes. The curtain split, the lights dim. Welcome once again to the real world, for the play is over. That's right, those perverts on the stage of what those people might be thinking are no more. You are back to nothing but Budweiser and normal conversations, normal guy talk. Just some beers with the boys. That's what we do here on Normal Credits. That's right. Now, you might look at people. I don't know if you have, I'll say it, pervert tendencies. But sometimes you might walk around and you might feel anxious or depressed or introspective. And you might see people who look... I'm going to say aggressively normal. You know, people who have like slogans on the backs of their Jeeps that seem to contradict each other, or they just seem to enjoy a lot of single use plastic and never feel bad about it. Or they say things before the presidential debate like, I just love to put a face to the names I keep hearing. You see these people and you think, is normalcy 
willful ignorance? Are these people choosing to be ignorant? And I say, no, they are actually the most intelligent people. We are among them. We are normal and Budweiser. That's right, because unlike other people who have to question things about the world, they have to put things in lenses of critical analysis and view things through the approaches of trying to understand because they're dumb. We see everything as it is for what it is because we are intelligent. Why ask a question, John, when you already have the answer? It's the ultimate expression of enlightenment. The only way to solve every problem is to never have a problem. That's the ultimate solution for life's problems. If you don't have any problems in your life, you've solved life. If you wake up every day shiny and new like a baby, no ideas or anxieties have clung to you through the uncertainties of the night, you, my friend, are normal. Right. Normality is akin to being the supreme person, the ubermensch, the the apex predator of the world. When you're normal, you're everything. Normalcy is the closest to godfulcy. Now it's it's true. It's true. I would drink a Budweiser with Jesus. And Jesus would turn that Budweiser into more Budweiser. He would turn a Bud Light into a, a regular Budweiser, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> He'd turn the water into wise. Now, one wise cracking because he's wise probably got a, he's got a sense of humor. That's what they say. Jesus was canonically hilarious. The world's first stand-up comedian. That's what I heard. You know that that classic debate between was there a biblical Jesus or a hilarious Jesus? I think both are true. A, bu- a biblically hilarious Jesus. Yeah, he's unholy funny. Yeah, he's got a demonic sense of humor. Yeah, Jesus was a demon. Now, something that I think... I don't know if I should say it on the podcast. Oh, well then say it. uh, You could step away from the podcast and kind of like shout at the podcast, but you wouldn't be saying it on the podcast. You would be shouting it at the podcast. Okay, I think that's a pretty good idea. So, something that I believe certain perverts enjoy is, uh, it's like... You ever watch the game on TV? Oh, the game? Barely miss a week of it. Especially now. There's so much of it. There's so much of the game on TV. Always gotta... It's like, our house is probably non-stop the game. Yeah, it's, it's all the game. The game merchandise. The game food. The game Twitter. My favorite are the uh, Budweiser commercials that are specifically tailored for the game. Something that I I think I've heard people mention, certain P-words, perverts. Uh, Oh, thank you for for elucidating that. 
it's it's like the game, but it's video game. Oh, like a video version of the game? Well, it's it's a it's a video version of life experiences both possible and impossible. And sometimes it's like the game, but oftentimes, most of the time, it's not. You, you completely lost me. So, okay, we'll, we'll do a little thought experiment. Are you open to a thought experiment? You know, I try to limit myself to like one a day, but normally on most days I'm not recording a podcast. So I think I'll make an exception just this once. You know, I think medical professionals say you're okay as a man as long as you do less than 14 thought experiments per week. Right. You got to leave the thought experiments to those normal women. And if you have more than four thought experiments in one sitting, it's considered binge thinking. Okay, I'm behind the binge content. I like that. So let's go ahead. Let's do a little thought experiment. What did you have in mind? I was thinking we could we could inhabit the minds of these video game perverts who are interested in experiences that both aren't real and also aren't lived vicariously through our watchings of the game. You know, this might be a, a, a hard sell for my brain, but I'm willing to try. Okay, and thought experiment begin. So I've been playing a lot of Hades lately. Oh, Hades. I've heard that's the new one from Supergiant. Yes, yeah, Supergiant, makers of Bastion, Transistor. Oh, I'm blanking on that third game. Pyre. Pyre, yes. A bunch of really cool people. I love Supergiant Games, and Hades is no exception. Zero credit seal of approval. Uh, Really enjoy it. It's like all my favorite things. It's like a roguelike. Well, more of a rogue light. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, But the art is by, like, one of my favorite people ever, Gen Z. Uh, It's full of sexy demons. It's great. So normally with Supergiant games, they have this great art style, a pretty compelling story, but for the life of me, I can't complete a game of theirs for some reason. So it seems like they solve that problem in that uh, you'll just die and start over a bunch of times. And so in a way, you can't ever really complete the game until you do. I'm really interested to see what they do. I don't know how much space we want to make on the podcast to explain what a roguelike is. It's just a series of runs through a randomly generated environment um, with a random draw of items, and you just try to get as far as possible. Think like, what's a popular roguelike? Are there popular roguelikes? John, I'm going to have to stop you right there uh, because it. I, I thought that, you know, explaining a roguelike might be a good thing. So I'll just give you a queek, queek. Yes, yes, please, a queek. A queek explanation. Um, Rogue Exploring the Dungeons of Doom is a dungeon-crawling video game by Michael Toy and Glenn Witchman and later contributions by Ken Arnold. 
Rogue was originally developed around 1980 for Unix-based mainframe systems as a freely distributed executable. It was later included in the official Berkeley Software Distribution 4.2 Operating System, also known as 4.2 BSD. And what made Rogue so interesting was that you would make progress and explore this dungeon as a character, but if you died, the game had no internal memory, so that when you die, you lose everything and have to start over again with only the knowledge that you gained intact. That would that would force the player to make another try with new knowledge, and maybe they would get further, maybe they wouldn't, but the game had to be completed in one sitting. Roguelikes take elements of the game Rogue and adapt them to a more modern sensibility of gameplay where you do lose most of your progress in your current dungeon run when you die, but you can hold on to things like power-ups or or unlock things to find and runs in future runs to be able to increase your chances to succeed. And it's I think that's a that's very quick first of all. And it's stunning. Some of the more popular roguelikes include The Binding of Isaac, Rogue Legacy, Faster Than Light, among others. Binding of Isaac being probably one of the bigger names out there because uh, there were two iterations with multiple expansions for this one game coming from Ed Ed McMillan. And in that game, you play as a small boy who's uh, being attacked by his religious mother. And you're making through ways different levels of your basement until you end up in hell and you fight Satan. That's kind of related to Hades. I would say probably like more famous ones are like NetHack or Angband or Tome or Dungeon Crawl. But you know, to each their own. I disagree. Well, maybe those are less famous, but they are more... They are more honest to the source material, which is not necessarily a good thing. I think that a pure roguelike is not a very fun game to play for the most part. Uh, So I I think that like the gradual leveling up, like the you do get better over progressive runs is more of like a, I don't know. It feels gatekeepy to say roguelike. You know what? It's a roguelike. Words don't matter. Words don't matter, and usually, like, Souls games are kind of just borrowing elements from the Darker Demon Souls series, and yet people still throw it around as though it's a genre. Roguelike's not really a genre, it's just an easy way to classify certain elements of a video game. And at some point it became just saying, like, oh, games are hard and you have to try more than once to do something, and also there are swords in it, so it's a roguelike. But it's not important. Uh, Roguelikes are good. Hades is really good. It seems it's hard for me to imagine where this game goes because it's so like totally chock full of both narrative content and voice acting. Like, I'm not kidding you. I've done like dozens of runs in this game, not gotten super far. It's actually very difficult. Uh, But like every time you cycle back, through like the little Hades hub, there's new dialogue. People talk about the enemy that killed you. People talk about the place you just went. Uh, people talk about like improvements you've made. 
to the castle. You can pet a dog every time. So far, the dog has always had something different to say. So I, in my mind, it's going to be pretty sad once they run out of new things to say. Who knows? Maybe they're, they'll never run out of new things to say. I mean, I know that uh, Bastion, also by Supergiant, uh, had essentially a custom line of narrator dialogue for almost every single thing you could do uh, that would never repeat. So maybe it's it's something like that. Uh, but it's very good. I wish that I had not been distracted by Breath of the Wild again and then stopped playing Hades for the last two days. Kind of the the danger with my Switch. But... Hades, big recommend, big sexy demons, good voice acting, very difficult. Uh, Pledge to Dionysus, hangover is a great ability. Uh, It's good. I've heard nothing but great things about the game. I'm glad to spotlight it here on our podcast for people who haven't picked it up yet. Like myself, who's waiting for it to go back on sale because I missed the premiere sale where I could have gotten a measly five dollars off but still it's the principle of the thing it's listen never pay full price for anything that's what they teach you in elon musk school you think warren buffett got to where he is today by buying hades at full price no i think he probably got to where he is today by exploiting people's labor and making immoral arbitrage uh transactions that's right and by not buying hades at full price because while he was making his rise to money, uh, Hades was not a thing. Yeah, he couldn't have, even if he wanted to. And he wouldn't have wanted to. I don't think the man knows what a video game is. Uh, I asked him about it once. Now, we, we've got some breaking video game news, John. Oh, some BVGN? Right, some BGVN. And uh, breaking as in this news broke uh, last week. But it did break. It was broken. Yeah, it did and break, so it's breaking news. Well, it's broken new- news. All right, we've got some broken news coming in. Uh, sometime last week, uh, I want to say, I don't know, the day before the Xbox Series X, the new console. I oh, cannot- you mean the Xbox One X? No, the Xbox Series X. Um. Okay. Am I saying the name of the console wrong? What about the... Is it the Xbox One X series? It's Xbox not... Series One X? No, no, okay. There's no more one. Uh-huh. It's called the Xbox Series X. That, but that's there's it. two of them. Is there one called the Xbox One Series X? I don't there, think there's there... one that's just online, and there's one that's a big a big brick. I don't know the differences in the, the Xbox branding is so fucked. <laughs> I don't understand. What? I no, don't it's understand. It's never been it. easier to understand. I don't understand it. Anyway, the day before those consoles went up for pre-order, um, a little a little known company uh, called Microsoft purchased another little known company, uh, Zenimax Media, who owns id Software, Bethesda, among other developers. Uh, they purchased ZeniMax Media for $7.5 billion. That's a lot of money. That is more money than what Walt Disney paid for Disney. 
I said that so <laughs> confidently and so stupidly. That is more money than what Walt Disney paid for Fox Media's uh, everything but the news package. Oh, and I've cleared up the, uh, to be clear, I've cleared up the naming confusion. Okay. So the old Xbox was called the Xbox One, and also the Xbox One X, and also the Xbox One S. However, the new one is the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. So, obviously I had made a mistake, everything's clear now, and people know which one to buy. Can't wait for the, uh, what's inevitably gonna hit the internet around Christmas when a bunch of kids are sad because their parents bought them an Xbox One Series X instead of an Xbox Series X or oh, Xbox Series S. Went up, when pre-orders went up, the Xbox One X jumped to the number seven most sold item on Amazon. Uh, so I think a lot of people accidentally bought Xboxes that day. Maybe that's the reason for the dumb naming convention. You get to move... Some inventory that wouldn't have otherwise moved. There you go. Anyway, so right, uh, Microsoft purchased basically Bethesda for seven point five billion dollars, and a, a, a tizzy, a, a whole, a whole console war broke out on Twitter and the internet once again. We we long thought the console wars were over and that GameCube had won, but boy, were we wrong. They're still raging today. Because suddenly there were questions about what's going to happen to Bethesda's games in the future. Will they be released on all all consoles? Or will they just be reserved for Xbox exclusives? Now I can see people being concerned about this if, if what was on the line was like a good video game. Oh, but John... We're talking about Doom and Doom Eternal here. Ah, fuck. Id Software, or formerly Id Software, I'm not sure who's actually making the games today, are, were, they were bought by Zenimax Media a while ago. God damn it. I thought I could just dunk on Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls for not being good anymore. Right, you could have. But we're also talking about future fallouts and future Elder Scrolls and whatever the fuck Starfield is. No clue. Nobody knows other than it's been announced. I think I I found this news kind of surprising because I almost felt as though the exclusive for the most part was dead. Uh, it, It felt like we were entering an age where people were kind of getting over exclusive IPs to specific platforms. But you're not no, in, apparently that's not the case. You're not entirely wrong because uh, it's been Microsoft's policy as of late to at least bring everything to PC through their Xbox PC platform, which is also very confusing to reference. Uh, so at least between Xbox and PC, there haven't been many exclusives because everything that comes out on Xbox eventually hits PC through that platform. Or we do find exclusives are the Sony exclusives and God of War, Spider-Man, and other Sony first-party studios whose games never leave their systems. What does this mean for me? Someone who 
will probably not buy the next generation of consoles and will just kind of hope that things end up on Xbox Game Pass as time goes on. That's probably the best place for someone like you to be. Uh, If you don't really care about playing any of the new PS5 exclusives, then make sure your computer is updated to handle what Xbox is dishing out. Because, they, you know, things are being said about this new Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S that uh, they can upscale old games to run at 60 frames a second with ray tracing and all this garbage. So it seems like their their games are going to be as equally demanding on PC. So upgrade that PC or buy the console and uh, move on with your life. Aren't they also testing the capability to stream video games to Android devices directly? I believe they are. Um, I think that's already a thing in some regards. Uh, But I think that was heavily featured. I say heavily featured. There's a passing scene of that happening in uh, a little film called Bloodshot. Oh, Bloodshot. Right, starring Vin Diesel. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, but one of the, the techie characters is playing uh, some type of Call of Duty Black Ops game on his phone with a, P- a PlayStation controller. Oh, I didn't realize that uh, much like the Fast and Furious franchise, Bloodshot was a showcase of the world's newest technologies. Right, of course. Anything Vin Diesel in, he always insists, get the latest technology in there. I won't. I won't do anything without the latest technology. Yeah, and to be fair, it makes sense because he is the oldest technology existing as long as man has uh, two tons of American muscle. Okay, I kind of spoiled your punchline. I might edit my outburst out because, yes, exactly. He is the oldest technology. He is a muscle man. Much like Cormac McCarthy said of war... Uh, Vin Diesel was the perfect tool waiting for the perfect creature, uh, which is man. Right, right. I remember when Cormac McCarthy wrote that in The Road and Other Places You'll Go. Yeah, and then its sequel, uh, All the Ugly Horses. Right. Have not read a lot of Cormac McCarthy. You know, you're not missing much. Uh, it's read, a quick read, though. He gets rid of all that punctuation bullcrap. Yeah, I read The Road, and my only thoughts were, where were all the quotation marks? Where were all the road? There's only one of those, John. <laughs> oh, that's why they're in the apocalypse. All the other roads died. Yep. Everyone who reads The Road always has one question on their mind. Bull, what happened? How did they get in the GD apocalypse? You'd never answer that, Mr. McCarthy. Stop trying to distract me with baby eating. The baby eating is not important. All we need is backstory. Speaking of a, of a desperate need for backstory, uh, good for Bethesda. I'm sure there will be a lot of Elder Scrolls games in the future. Uh, or at least just one. I'm just, I'm, I was more surprised with uh, the fact that the console wars, I guess... I guess I miss this because I don't normally have a dog in the fight because uh, I usually am an, a late adopter to whatever generation is happening and I get stuff really cheap on sale. But uh, 
all of this this new news about the PS5 and the next generation of Xbox, if you just even just type in video games, everyone's fucking fighting instead of celebrating all the good video game news that's happening. I I wonder I think it really just takes anything at this point because my initial feeling when you said that was surely the audience for these things has aged out of fighting over exclusivity, but that's not true because I don't think, I mean, obviously the age of people who are interested in video games did not like move as we got older. And in fact, we are aging out. I'm rapidly aging out and probably exiting video games as a whole within the next 15 years or so, probably less. Uh, So there's a bunch of people who are as a console warrior Leading into the PS3, from PlayStation the first, I was always someone who got a PlayStation ASAP and defended it to the death, less so the PS3. But I think that there are a lot of just angry young people out there who don't have better things to be angry about, which is ludicrous because there's plenty to be angry about. Right. The last thing I thought I would see people being angry about in this year of 2020 with everything going on would be a renewal of that long-standing and eternal battle known as the console wars. Listen, I just have to say I'm on Team Nintendo, which is to say the Switch for a year and a half to two more years. And I'm on Team. I'm just playing through Divinity Original Sins 2 again. And it's still a very great game. No one tell me otherwise. I've started to have the very old man realization that if I stopped now, I would have, between the consoles I have and emulators, more video games than I could possibly play in my entire lifetime. And I could probably just stop. Yeah, but how would you be able to play the new Spider-Man Miles Morales? I mean, that's cool, but how about I just play Xenogears to completion? Uh, but what about the new God of War 2 that they announced and had no details about? But I could play every Fast and Furious video game. Uh, the people who made The Outer Worlds made an Elder Scrolls analog that i whose name i cannot remember right now oh it's like avowed or something that's what it is nice yeah i've heard of that it's like based on planes of eternity lore pillars of eternity lore yeah yeah what about Baldur's gate 3 i mean sure i could just play Baldur's gate 1 or 2 which i've never finished yeah, but Baldur's Gate 3 is being done in the style of Divinity Original Sin 2, which means I will be able to understand it. But I can also play Divinity Original Sin 2, which I've never played. Oh, it's really good. Man, oh, the systems are all great, and the way they do stats is great. Everything about the game is fun. The story is okay. But all of it, you talk about systems interacting, that's the battle system. The battle system is different terrains and elements interacting with explosive results, let me just tell you. That sounds like it's way up my alley. Don't need a new console for that. Right, until they make Divinity Original Sin Next Gen Edition. 
I mean, I, I guess all of this boils down to the ultimate realization that if we aren't being overly picky about our entertainment, all of us could just choose to not engage with anything and there would be more books in the universe than we could ever conceivably read in our lifetimes. And you could probably fit every like critically acclaimed or quote unquote important book in there and you still wouldn't have enough time left in your life to read all of them. Right. What you're doing is what I, it's a tactic that I used uh, just this past Sunday, I think it was. Yeah, this was past Sunday when I found myself somehow dragged into a console war in, uh, fight on Twitter. Uh, I mistakenly just pointed out that all Xbox games would also be on PC and people kind of erroneously tried to claim that my PC was an Xbox and Wait, after I yeah I after trying to argue and point out that my PC is not an Xbox it's a PC uh and them not listening I just started replying yeah the Game Boy was pretty cool uh wow it sounds like you had a terrible time it was really bad. I got I had to mute a conversation on Twitter for the first time ever. Uh but um I, like conversations kept dying as I was just like Yeah, you remember the Game Boy? That was fun. I mean, uh, no one could refute that. One person I one person was like 90% of people have Windows on their computer, so that's Xbox. And I was just like some people run Linux. And he responded, what the fuck is Linux gaming? And I posted I'm... I posted a picture, the most obnoxious picture I could find, of like the Linux penguin with his arms crossed and like a popped collar shirt with a hat and a headset standing behind like a computer with steam on it. And he responded, yeah, but that's only like 0.9% of Steam users. And my response was that penguin's kind of cool looking. But I mean, the it's a bad argument on their part. This is dumb. Come no, yeah, no. Dumb, don't engage. <laughs> well, once I realized that they didn't have any good arguments, I was like, oh, this isn't a conversation. This is propaganda. You're just pushing that Xbox is going to, quote, win because they can count all the PC sales. Also, what, what, that is Linux, what is Linux gaming? Uh, the Sony PlayStation 3 and 4 and 5 uh, run on a Linux platform. Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You could have responded with that and been like, that's Linux gaming, you turd. Instead, I posted a picture of this obnoxious penguin with a popped collar, arms folded, headset and hat. And, and when asked about it, I just said, yeah, the penguin's looking kind of cool looking. I, uh, was this on the official Twitter? Uh, yeah, it's my main Twitter. My main okay. Twitter is the Zero Podcasts, uh, uh oh, what no. the fuck? My main Twitter is the Zero Credits Podcast Twitter these days. Oh, no. We've been used as a weapon in the console wars. Uh, but we are non-combatants, because all we do is point out that the Game Boy was pretty cool, and post pictures of what is ostensibly a pretty cool-looking penguin. Now, all of that 
would have been fascinating, assuming it had actually happened and this was not an elaborate thought experiment. Oh, are you bringing an end to the thought experiment? Unless you had something else to add. No, I just, I'm kind of sick of, of talking about these, the games of video instead of just the game on my TV with those people who play the sports. Okay, so we're bringing an end to the thought exercise just real quick. I'm going to name three of my favorite athletes, Rapid Fire, uh, and then you have to do the same. Uh, Dak Shepard, Rob Gronkowski, and um, uh, uh, Magic Jordan. (laughs) Right, and And my my favorite three, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, my favorite three, um, I believe you call them athletes, uh, John DiMaggio, H. John Benjamin, and um, uh, Dana Carvey. And we all know number one in our hearts, the one athlete we all agree is number one. We'll say it at the same time. Three, Will two, one, Mickey Will Mantle. Smith. That's right. Everyone's favorite. Yeah. I said Ooh, Will when you said normal one. again. Yeah, you know, I, I made my way through one of these uh, Budweiser Tall Boys. I buy the Tall Boys because I find you uh, you get more uh, you get more beer for your boy. Yeah, you get more liquid in the container. That's what I keep telling people. If you buy the bigger Tall Boys, there's more liquid to drink. And you know, that's what I want. I want more of this this Budweiser delivered right into my gullet. So it can enter my stomach and and release its pure ethanol chemicals, so that I can can get buzzed. That's what I'm a. That's what I'm about. That's right. Commence suck down. Yeah, it's just it's a shame that this is what we've been reduced to in this year of 2020. Because normally we would be we would be we would be what's a B word for drinking? We would be. We would be, uh, having a couple of beers with the boys, like in boys, beers with the boys, like in person. Uh, but because of the coronavirus, which, you know, I'm, I'm not wanting to catch, which is perfectly normal. Uh, we can't, we got to do a distance and it's just so many things in this year are, are bad. Henry. Can I be honest with you? I, if you weren't being honest with me, what would you be being? Would you be, and I'll say it, would you be being perverted? I just, I'll just say it, this year's not normal. This, this year's not normal. What? No, we promised at the top that this episode would be completely and utterly normal. What are you trying to suggest? I mean, we can say that, but... Look at everything that's going on around us. Look at everything that's happened. Even in those little role plays, there was some truth in there somewhere. We can pretend this is normal. We can pretend to be normal, but we're not. This year's not. Life's not. Wait a second, John, John, John. Stoop down with me, down where the year can't hear us. Uh, hold on, I have to put a book down so I don't hurt my knees. Okay. 
So we, when we went into this podcast, we we said we would be normal because we yeah. wanted to th- thwart whatever like cosmic thing that hijacks our podcast during this particular month. But John, what if that cosmic force knew that we were going to try to pull this this month, and so they pre they they preemptive struck us? What if they co-opted the entire GD year, John? What if the Wait, whole year? What if the whole year is bad because of them? Do you mean to tell me that the entirety of 2020 has been a coup by the frightened times against us? I think by the frightened times. I think that the whole the fact that you just said that that frightened times word. I think that means we're in the frightened times, John. No, I think that no. I think I think 2020 from beginning in January, January 1st. Remember January 1st when the Pope slapped that woman on January 1st? Yeah, I do. I think that was a hint. The Pope I think was giving us a hint. Not the Pope, but the frightened times was like I've infected your Pope and that means if he can affect if he can infect the holiest of us, if they can infect the holiest right, of us. Right, If the frightened times can infect the Pope, that's the whole year, John. The whole year is frightened times. This, this godforsaken year, all of it. Man, all of those, all of that acting as, as normal as we possibly could was for nothing because we were we've been in it the whole time. Well, you, Henry, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this year. I can't take one more day of 2020. Frightened times or no? I don't care what time of the year it is. I don't care if it's been the frightened times all year. I'm sick of this. I can't do this anymore. I can't. There's no new normal. I can't. I don't. I don't know what to tell you, John. As far as I know, we have no other recourse other than to take to take on twenty twenty one day at a time. I don't know of any way that we could somehow. I don't know. End up in a different time, perhaps. Say maybe the future or the past. Well, I, I was just say if we could pick one or the other, I would think we yeah. would want to be out of 2020 and out of the frightened times into the future. Now, if we tried to do that and somehow ended up in the past, John, I don't know if I would complain. I'm just saying, I think as characters in this moment, <laughs> what we would want is to go forward and past it. And then if something cosmically were to happen, we would end up, I'll end up in the past. Then that would be, we would be trying to, we wouldn't be being careful for what we wished for. Henry, listen. <laughs> what, I John? Care, I don't care what my motivations as a character <laughs> tell me that I would want in this moment. I swear now, before all that is holy, the Pope specifically, and all that is unholy, the frightened times specifically this i vow i don't care where we end up i don't want to be in 2020 anymore i'm right there with you but uh 
You know, I just... Look, maybe what was going to happen... What's going to happen? We got to... Look, we got to do the social media plug somehow. <laughs> Listen, we're going to do the social media plugs. Nothing okay. crazy is going to happen. All right, all right. So while you're doing the social media plugs, I'm going to be fooling around with this uh, dried up and shrunken monkey's paw that I found right here. Uh, What I'm going to do is when I do the social media plugs, I'm going to face the camera and then the camera that's of course part of the podcast will film you. So if anything is to happen to you during this time, uh, there will be a strong sense of dramatic irony because I will be totally unaware of what you are doing between me reading the social media plugs. How do we pull off dramatic irony in an audio-only podcast? I, we don't need to worry about it because nothing bad's going to happen. And You're right. You want right. to tell us <laughs> how nothing bad is going to happen, you can do so on Twitter at ZCPC. WHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. Oh, sorry. I was just uh, fooling around with this uh, uh, weird thing that my best friend, who is a uh, uh, disavowed nuclear physicist, dropped off today. So he said something about uh, he didn't have time to watch this so i'm just gonna fool around with this machine that has something to do with time beep boop boop while i'm also playing with this dried and shrunken monkey's paw that uh curls up when i say things that start with i wish that's right and if you want to send us an email you can do so to email at zerocredits.net. Send us an email. Uh, yeah. Um, also, I just broke a bunch of mirrors. I don't know if that's going to help, but, uh, and I'm letting just a stream of black cats walk in front of me. I think I'm confused. We are also on Spotify. Search for zero credit, open parentheses, S, close parentheses on the Spotify podcast section, which I think specifically is on the desktop version. Otherwise, if you're on the mobile version, like everyone else, just kind of best of luck. An alarm has been triggered in Zone X, where the time dilation guns are kept. Repeat. An alarm has been triggered in Zone X, where the time dilation guns are kept. And we are also on Apple Podcasts. One of the best ways for people to learn about the show is for you to like, comment, subscribe, join the Patreon, Apple Podcasts, search for Zero Credits Podcast on Apple Podcasts, and you'll podcast a podcast, leave us a rating. I've summoned several ghosts and they're yelling instructions in my head about how to open a portal to the past. Ah, they, they're also, they hate tomato soup. I don't know why. And the best way you can tell anyone about the podcast is word of the mouth because it's the only way we can survive. Tell your friends, they'll tell two friends, they'll tell two friends. Exponential growth is the best way people can learn about this podcast. Shut up, portal!
was opened up and I, I believe we're being sucked inside. John, if you could look this way, stop looking at the camera, John. John, Jesus Christ, I'm disappearing into a Everyone here at the Zero Credits Podcast, two bedroom, two bedroom, two bedroom, two bedroom. We want to wish you a happy week. Hold on. Oh, cool, a monkey's paw. God, I wish it wasn't 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020.